Welcome in to a fresh week of the Back and Forth Podcast. I'm your host, Stat Matt, a.k.a. Matt Raftery, joined alongside, as always, by my co-host, Joey G. And we finally get to start our NFL preview this week. Finally. Nothing. I'm not even going to say it. I said nothing major happened over the NBA over the weekend, but as soon as we get out of here, Kevin Durant's going to find a new home, new home, I'm sure. So, uh, And we did the Instagram poll, uh, NFL won, and then... Uh, Big Ten expansion also came in third place, so we figured, hey, let's not let's do both of those and switch it up a little bit since we've been so basketball heavy the the, the past month. So now we're kind of getting into football season, college football, and uh, college football actually starting next month, and the NFL starting uh, um, just a month after. Yeah. So for today's episode, we'll start with college football, obviously, and then we'll go into the NFL. The way the NFL previews are going to work, we're going to pick a team every episode to preview. We'll go by division. We'll start in the AFC West today, and we'll start with the hometown Raiders. Um, and then we'll go, obviously, Chargers, Chiefs, Broncos to round out the division before moving on to uh, you know the next division and so on and so forth. But basically, one team per episode. Hopefully, that'll get us right up to the start of the NFL season. Um, we'll give you guys, you know expected win percent you know what we expect them to go as far as record wise uh postseason uh expectations stuff like that so all that being included in the nfl preview but before we get to that and we before we get to the raiders let's start with some news out west um let's start with the uh this came out a little i think it was later last week we just never really got around to it which was uh usc and ucla declaring to go to the big 10 starting in the 2024 season financially it makes a ton of sense for usc and ucla geographically uh that doesn't make doesn't make a whole lot of sense they're gonna be making a lot of long road trips uh in the 2024 season for both basketball and football which you know makes um i'm sure these programs have the money for it so i mean it's not that big of a deal but uh from a football standpoint you know a lot of people are making jokes about it it's gonna be very interesting seeing USC playing um, uh, Nebraska or Ohio State or Michigan in, uh, you know, November when it's 30, 30 degrees or below there snowing and um, a bit of a tough environment for them compared to, you know, playing in Southern California and where it's usually, you know, sunny, 70 degrees, nice weather year round. So um, that's something these teams are going to have to get used to. And, you know, Lincoln Riley also. Uh, leaving the Big 12 to come to the Pac-12, which is obviously a downgrade. And, you know, um, I'm sure that was in the back of his mind making that move, um, that it was going to be a lot easier to coach in the Pac-12. And now just about two years later, he's going to have to be, or just in two years, he's going to have to be moving to the Big 10, making that transition. So um, I, I, I get the move for USC and UCLA. If the Big 12 wasn't looking to expand, um, joining the Big 10 makes all the all that much more sense to them. Um, and as for the Pac-12, what the Pac-12 does next is going to be interesting. You're now going to be down to 10 schools. Um, you're losing your two. I won't say two because I'd say Oregon is a like a big flagship program for them. So you're losing one of them with USC. Uh, UCLA is definitely, I think, third on that list um, behind Oregon. Um, in terms of expansion, whether it's two or more, like you really have to sit down and, and look. Um, you, you really can't look at facilities here. Uh, we're going to look at the Mountain West, for example. I think San Diego State has to be a no-brainer for them. That makes too much sense for them. San Diego State has consistently been a top 25 program in football. Uh, they've made the tournament the last 
three years. I mean, we're going to count 2020 because that team was top five in the nation. They were going to make the tournament that year if COVID didn't get called off. Um, you have to look at Boise State. Boise State has been making the tournament two out of the last three years in, in basketball. And in football, they're, every year, Boise State is known for their football program and the blue turf and all that. You know, they're, they're known for football. Um, you have to look at Boise State. So if you're going to go with two schools, you have to pull out of the Mountain West, I feel like, and it has to be Boise State and San Diego State. I know a lot of people are trying to make a push for UNLV. I'd, la- I'd love UNLV to be in the Pac-12. That'd be great. But if I'm the Pac-12 and I'm only going two teams, UNLV is not getting a phone call. I'm sorry. Sure, they got... They might be the last phone call, actually. They, yeah, I may call Wyoming before them. I may call, I may call Air Force. I may check in on San Jose State and see what's going on there. I may see what's going on in Cedar City with Southern Utah University. Then I'm like, okay, well, I guess we got to go UNLV. But, yeah, UNLV, you got the Fertitta Complex. You got Allegiant. You got the Mendenhall Center, and you got uh, Thomas and Mack. But I, I think if you're the Pac-12 here, you got to look at schools that are going to re- represent you in the postseason in um, bowl games and in the NCAA tournament. And Boise State and San Diego State are going to do that for you. UNLV and Colorado State are not. UNLV and Colorado State the last few years have, you know, really ramped up on getting better facilities. And Colorado State has been performing better on the basketball side of things. And they've got a good young uh, up-and-coming coach or a proven head coach, I would say, at least in Jay Norvell, who used to uh, coach with the Nevada Wolfpack. And I think it's a matter of time before CSU football gets it figured out. But right now, Boise State and San Diego State are the safer bets. So that's where I'm going with the Pac-12. And um, we'll see also how the USC and UCLA performs in the in the Big Ten um, it's not going to be the, uh, uh, at least from a football standpoint, it's not going to be the cakewalk. I think it, Lincoln Wy- uh, Lincoln Riley expected it to be, uh, from a football standpoint at least. Um, I think this year is definitely going to be a building year for USC. But after that, um, their 2023 season, which will be their final year in the in the Pac-12, Lincoln Riley is going to dominate. They're going to be an 11-1, 12-0 team. Um, and then in 2024, we'll see... When you got to play, you know, Michigan and Ohio State and all those schools um, and Michigan State and, and so on, uh, we'll see how, you know, they, they, they adjust then. Um, and as for UCLA, this has been a team that has struggled a little bit in football recently. I think they went 7-5 and five last year, and I don't think they made a bowl game before that. Uh, so they haven't been as dominant as they once were in football. Um, so we'll see how they adjust playing into uh, the Big Ten. So it, Definitely news that came out of nowhere, and I don't think anyone was expecting. Um, but you know, I think I think it makes I think it makes sense for USC and US, UCLA, and I can't blame them because uh, the Pac-12 is, you know, is really not even been considered a, a Power Five conference. You've seen all the hate it's been getting in basketball and in football recently. Uh, they had a terrible um, bowl game season, I believe, in a. Uh, uh, the previous football season. They also had a terrible tournament performance uh, in college basketball as well. So um, this is kind of the, the the state of the Pac-12 right now, and I can't blame USC and UCLA who have all the resources in the world to, to want to move on somewhere else. Yeah, so with UCLA, um, they're getting better. I can say that much in football. They yeah. came off of an 8-4 and four year last eight year. Four. Um, Brian Kelly's got that team kind of – or not Brian Kelly. Um, Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly. One of the, one of the Kellys. Um, <laughs> Chip Kelly um, has that uh, team and that program kind of going in the right direction. They were 3-4 and four in 2020, but then backed it up with 8-4 and four last year. You can sense they're trending in the right direction. Um, 
And with USC, I don't disagree with the notion that it's going to be a building block year, but even Lincoln Riley's quote-unquote building block year could probably be like a 10-2 and two record. Like, it's not going to be 12-0. and 0. It might not even be 11-1, and 1, but with the amount of transfers he got to follow him from Oklahoma and all the high-level recruits that he brought in, that roster is probably talented enough for 10-2 and two in the Pac-12. And, which, I mean, if you're a USC fan, 10-2, and two, considering you were 4-8 and eight last year, that's a really big improve year one of a head coach, nonetheless. Yeah. Um, you know, I think maybe 9-3, and 10-2, somewhere in that ballpark. They'll be in the conversation for the Pac-12, I think, even year one because of how the conference is structured. They could probably, if not win their division, they can at least make it interesting in their own division. And then if, obviously, if they're the top team in their own division, they play for the Pac-12 championship. And who knows what happens after that. Um, again, any upside for USC, remember that Lincoln Riley is one of the best, probably first-year head coaches we have in college football. He came into Oklahoma, I think, year one and went 11-1. and one. Um, it, w- it was either like 11-1 and one or 12-0. and oh. It was some ridiculous record that I was like, wow, that's impressive for year one. And a head coach who's been considered for a, a lot of NFL jobs as well before um, getting the USC job. I know the Dallas Cowboys, before they hired um, Mike McCarthy, you yeah. know, he was a front-runner for that job. Yeah, so I, I think um, this year, like I said, 9-3, and 10-2, and two, and then, yeah, I think the floodgates could really open up for USC their last year in the Pac-12. The reason I don't like this move all that much for USC and UCLA is a lot of what people have been talking about is I worry how they're going to perform in November and December in the Midwest. I mean, it's just a different style than what they're accustomed to. It's not you know, going to, I don't know, say a San Diego in November or December or going to Corvallis, Oregon. Yeah. Or going to Stanford. Like it's a different type of cold going to Columbus or going to Lincoln or going to Ann Arbor in November and December when it's like you said, 30 degrees or less and blowing sideways snow and, and a different atmosphere um, than a lot of PAC 12 schools. Yeah. I mean, those two schools, UCLA and USC, probably have the biggest stadium as far as capacity is concerned in the Pac-12. I don't think there's very many others that can compete with it. Um, but now you're going into the Big Ten where you have Ann Arbor, Michigan, that is, you know, the quote-unquote the big house, as over 100,000 seats. Columbus, Ohio, being home of the Ohio State Buckeyes, has over 100,000 uh, Penn State, I believe, has over 100,000. So, I mean, you're, you're getting into schools that have very huge stadiums. They are always sold out, um, especially for the big games. And, you know, U- USC and UCLA, they're going to be primetime games in the Big Ten. Like, you know, even if it's uh, against, say, a Northwestern, you know, they're going to draw, draw some eyeballs naturally because of the market. Like, you're going to get the LA market that's going to pay attention to this and, you know, probably pay attention to it for a while. And so my biggest concern with them is how is their, particularly their offense going to adjust um, to playing that type of football. If they're going to start bulking up on running backs, maybe Um, I don't know. I mean, recruiting this can, this probably hurts them a little bit just because, I mean, you're trying to convince now California, Arizona, Nevada kids to all, play for a school that's going to be playing half of its schedule in the Midwest. Like there's a lot of these kids that want to play pretty close to home. And that's not a very convincing 
pitch, if you will. It's like, oh, yeah, by the way, half your schedule is going to be either in the Midwest or part of the East Coast, like, for our road games. And, I mean, yeah, geographically, you're right. This makes zero sense. Um, I was trying to think who the closest school geographically to USC and UCLA. Nebraska is the closest one. Um, And then maybe, like, Northwestern or something like that. Like, and even Nebraska, that's halfway across the country from USC and UCLA. So you're talking about time change. And for football, I don't know if it's going to necessarily be that big of a deal as far as the travel is concerned. We're going to really start seeing this in basketball, though. I think basketball is going to be the tall tale sign of this. When you're having, you know, two road games in a week, maybe you're playing a Tuesday, Saturday. I don't know if USC or UCLA decide just to stay in the Midwest or East Coast for that week. You know, if they're, if they're playing say, Ohio State and Penn State, um, or if they, they come back and then, you know, fly back out. Who knows? Um, You'd think they just stay there. It makes sense to stay, but, I mean, it is also college kids, too. Like, they, they may need to go back for, for classes or something. Who knows? Yeah. Um, it would make more – I guess it would you, – you could say that they would probably stay if they were, like, a professional team because that's usually what a lot of the professional teams do, but I don't know. Um, in any case, it's going to be a lot of travel – and it's going to be, I think even in the Big Ten, like Big Ten basketball, you know, it's kind of been, you know, kind of poo-pooed on a little bit over the past few years. But even still, it's got it's gained traction. Like it's gained good, solid teams out of the Big Ten. Um, it's probably going to be similar as far as how many quality teams are in the conference compared to the Pac-12. Both have generated about three or four decent teams out of their conference every year for the tournament. Um, but it, again, it's going to be different in the aspect that they're going to have to add a lot more travel to their schedule now. And I think basketball, we start seeing the wear and tear of travel more so than we do in football. And so, I don't know, it's going to be interesting. I think the only reason these two, or these two schools rather, USC and UCLA really decided to make this move was they were more, more likely than not, they were tired of the disrespect out of the playoff committee as far as when it came to the Pac-12. Like, the Pac-12 always felt like the odd conference out when we were talking about, well, which four teams should be in the college football playoff. And the reason I'm singling out football is it's basically every school's biggest money generator. It might even be UNLV's biggest money generator, as weird as that is to say. Um, as of recently, yeah, with how, how empty the Thomas and Mac has gotten. Yeah. yeah, it's it's definitely football. But I don't... One quick thing before we move on, I think I'd have to disagree on is I don't think it's going to hurt recruiting. They're still playing, you know, at least six home games in Southern California. And now this gives recruits, they're going to be playing on a bigger stage now, which I think is what a lot of recruits want. You're going to be playing for a school that's well known across the country. And now instead of playing, you know, Oregon State and Stanford and Washington State, you're going to be playing. Ohio State, Penn State, and um, Nebraska. Just like, you know, just throwing out three random Big Ten schools or Michigan State or whoever. Um, we can keep going down the list. But you're now going to be on a more national. Like most USC conference games now are going to be on national TV. Most USC Pac-12 games, I mean, a lot of them were on, but I don't think every single one now is going to be on national TV. Like USC and Washington State was not going to be on national TV, I don't think. I think that was going to be on Pac-12 Network. Like ESPN or Fox or whoever was going to pick a bigger game, um, you know, 
to air instead of that one. And I think a lot of USC games now are going to be on national TV. And also, like Matt said, it now gives them, um, if they can continue performing well, it gives them that exposure now to also get into uh, um, the college football playoff, which I think is a stage a lot of recruits want to play on. So you have a coach that is you know made the college football playoff before you have, again you have a school that has all the resources in the world and now they're gonna be playing a um a, an insanely competitive uh schedule i think that helps recruiting all the better because you know ultimately a lot of these kids goal is to play in the nfl one day and how do you play in the nfl you're gonna you know you're gonna need to get some national exposure and this is where you're gonna do it and the same thing goes for us ucla ucla may not be on um the same stage i guess that usc is on but um, you know, they can definitely, um, it'll help out with recruiting as well. I mean, USC is another school that has all the resources in the world. They have a fine stadium. Uh, they play at the Rose Bowl and a lot of their games now are probably going to be on national TV because people are going to want to see UCLA and Ohio State and UCLA and, um, whoever they be, even Minnesota, like whoever they may be playing, like a lot of big 10 games I notice get on that, get on that slate. So I think it will help recruiting. Sure. You know playing a lot of your or half of your season halfway across the country is going to sting a little bit. Um, but I don't think that's going to convince a recruit to go somewhere else when he's trying to make the NFL. Like he's going to, I don't think he's going to be like, well, I'll go to San Diego state then. Like if it's standing, if it's between San Diego state and USC and you're pretty much being offered the same role at each school, USC seems like the no brainer. Yeah. And one other thing that I, heard over the weekend that I'm not opposed to it would be applicable to both the Big Ten and the SEC uh, not necessarily right away but probably for 2024 in the Big Ten and then maybe 2025 ish for the SEC is these these two conferences are going to have 16 teams each which is ridiculous to think for a conference I, w- I would be okay with them going to four divisions per conference and then I mean, you would have to sacrifice a non-conference game, but that's fine. I mean, most of these non-conference games are, you know, North Mexico, North or New North Mexico. Mexico. <laughs> yeah, they probably would. They'd probably invent that New Mexico State or something like like. They're usually throwaway non-conference games that like they're just gimme wins, pretty yeah, much. Um, but, every school has them. Some schools will have like really competitive non-conference games, but even in basketball, like a lot of it is, you know, like gimme ones, like. Michigan State played Southern Utah last year. Like, I mean, that's yeah. not. I don't think people are lining up to see that game because everyone knows who's going to win that game. Right. Um, but you, it would come at the expense of you know basically getting rid of one of those games. You would have four divisions per conference, and the top four teams from each division. So you know the top team in, let's say the the central, the north, the south, the east, whatever the case may be. The, the top team out of each one of those divisions play in a four-team mini playoff within the conference. And then you go from four to two, and then the winner of that, um, you know, championship game, if you will, is deemed the conference champion. That part I'm okay with, because then you could space it out to where, like, you have Ohio State in one division, you have Michigan in another division, you have Penn State in another division, and you have... USC in another division. So you have top schools, but they're all spread out across these four divisions. You could do the same thing in the SEC. You could do Alabama in one, Georgia in another division. Maybe you throw Oklahoma and Texas in one division, and then whoever you want as a top team, if you will, in the other div- in the fourth division. And then 
you know, basically you're getting rid of one of that non-conference game to make room for a, a you know, it would be a conference semifinal game. The winner of those move on to the conference championship, and that's obviously your conference champion. That part, I, I mean, if you're going to go to 16, I would look at that. Like, go to the four divisions of four teams, and the way the scheduling would work would be, like, you play the other three teams in your division every year, and then you play two teams from um, each division. Um, yeah, you would play two teams out of every other division to, to round out the year, but you would play them, like, every other year or something like that to where you would have, like, nine or ten conference games. Yeah, uh, before we move on, in football, it sounds like a fucking mess. I'm not going to lie. It probably does, yeah. Football, it sounds like an absolute fucking mess. Basketball, those conference tournaments are going to be fun because it's 16 teams, so every team has got to play four games. It's, like, that's how you have to do it. Like, it's a, it's literally um, the first round, quarterfinal, semifinal, and championship game. Basketball, it's going to be fun. Um, so I hope well, that's one a- of those tournaments comes to Vegas, or at least I'll be able to... Watching it will be entertaining because, like, a 16-team conference tournament is going to be so much fun in my eyes. But in football, it sounds like a complete disaster. Well, that's why I like that idea for football because then at least it breaks up the 16 teams to where, like, you're not having to fight amongst eight teams to be the top team in a, a division. Now you're only having to fight against three other teams. And... Maybe it gives schools like Northwestern and Illinois and Indiana more of a chance to compete in the conference and maybe, you know, get some exposure within the conference. Whole lot of things they got to look at, uh, at least from a football standpoint, to make it work. But if either conference is listening, by the way, you can, yeah, we can work shoot, out a deal yeah. to where shoot Matt an email. I, right. I like Matt's football idea a little, uh, but yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see what they do for um, their, their football championships because, yeah, 16 teams for 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 one title um and especially already how short the football season is or you have to shorten the season a little bit because you know one of these schools obviously in both those conferences like they're going to be playing in the college football playoffs so a whole lot of things they got to look at um but good thing they both got two years to figure it out so um moving on now to the nfl uh we're starting with our previews and we're going to start with the local team here the hometown team the las vegas raiders had a very uh, eventful offseason, to say the least, getting Devontae Adams from the Green Bay Packers and also picking up Chandler Jones from uh, the Arizona Cardinals. So two big pro bowlers coming. You also re-sign Hunter Renfro. I believe Derek Carr, did Derek Carr sign an extension? Yes. Derek Carr signed his extension. Um, Josh Jacobs is still on the roster. I know a lot of people were a little bit skeptical about him um, and also – you know, when they had drafted a running back, I believe, in the third round or fourth round out of Georgia, uh, people thought they were kind of preparing for life after Josh Jacobs. But as of now, he's still on the roster. Waller's still there. Um, I'll let Matt go first. And, oh, the biggest thing, you got a new general manager, and you also have a new head coach, and Josh McDaniels, uh, both coming over from the New England Patriots. Uh, so I'll let Matt go with it first. Um, what are your expectations for this Raiders team next season? Last season, 10-7. and seven. Lost in the uh, uh, the wild card to um, the AFC champions, the Cincinnati Bengals, by a touchdown. In fact, probably by a play. Um, uh, they they got down to the inside the ten yard line there on the last the last possession and just couldn't get the ball in the end zone. So they came very close to beating uh, the team that ended up making it to the Super Bowl. Um, so now adding two big pieces and retaining most of their roster. Uh, what do you? 
expect. And also Max Crosby, I think, also resigned a little bit too. So what are your expectations for this this team? They should be improved. I, I will say that. And I know they're getting probably the least amount of love within their own division as far as, you know, being the odds on favorite for it. Um, this team, when you look at it on paper, I could make the argument that it's the, it's the second best team in the division. And maybe on a good day, it, it's battling for the first team or for the top team in the division because you did have Kansas City that lost Tyreek Hill. And I think that that's a move that I think, while it, it probably doesn't drop Kansas City off the face of the earth necessarily, it is going to probably drop them a few wins for sure. Um, when you look at the Raiders, like you said, they added Devontae Adams, which was a huge weapon on the offensive side of the ball. And they added a monster piece on their defense in Chandler Jones, along with, like you said, extending Max Crosby, um, keeping a lot of that defense, which, I mean, the defensive unit was pretty improved from the previous season. I mean, it, it showed its flashes last year of being an improved uh, defense, and now you add in Chandler Jones to that mix. And on the offensive side of the ball, this should be one of the most high-scoring offenses in the league. Like, it has all the weapons there to be one of the highest-scoring offenses. I mean, to be averaging north of 30 points a game, I don't know if, if it's necessarily unreasonable for this team because you have a Devontae Adams, you have a capable quarterback in uh, Derek Carr, you have Darren Waller, you have Renfro, you have a pretty full running back room. Like, all the pieces are really there on offense. I get the only real concern might be your offensive line. Like the offensive line has been kind of a point of concern for pretty much the last couple of years, but really last year it kind of stuck out the most. And I mean, when you look at the Raider schedule, it starts fairly easy. Like I'm not going to lie. They got a pretty easy front stretch of the schedule. Their last probably six or seven games are brutal. I mean, that is going through a gauntlet of the NFL. Um, I mean, if you want, we can go right through the schedule and just go game by game. Um, uh, yeah, real quick, though. Um, I, getting Dante Adams, for one, was huge for them. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people didn't anticipate that. He was franchise tagged. Uh, a lot of people thought he would kind of ride out the year with Green Bay. And Aaron Rodgers and, and, and Devontae Adams are going to do the same thing they did this year. They're like, well, let's just let's go another year, um, considering you know how close again they got this season. Um, but... You know, he gets traded to the Raiders for an absolute haul. I mean, I think the Raiders gave up like two or two first rounders, um, maybe even three. Uh, and I know they gave up a couple second rounders as well. Uh, again, you get Chandler Jones was a huge pickup. Now you have um, two legitimate pass rushers now in Chandler Jones and and uh, in, in in Crosby. So um, on the defensive side, I really think they're set. I think they can pick up where they were last year. Like last year, I mean, their their biggest weakness, which wasn't even that bad last season to be uh, fair with you was their secondary or mm -hmm. still is their secondary um, I would have liked them to see to get a Stefan Gilmore or someone in that that secondary a little bit or a honey badger but it didn't happen it didn't work out so they got to work with what they have still um, but even like their weakest part of their defense was still fairly decent last year I think the only game where I think their secondary was about a, not unwatchable but near unwatchable was that Chargers game the last game of the season for about three quarters, they were pretty good. And then that 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 back end of the third quarter and that fourth quarter, Justin Herbert was just getting whatever he wanted. And obviously, them Chargers scoring a touchdown the last play of the game to force it in overtime. Raiders ultimately won that game, but still, um, that, this, that secondary was pretty bad that game. So we'll see how they go into going the next season. It was only one game they're really kind of terrible in. But um, 
yeah, I mean, I, I like this Raiders team. Um, I've given Derek Carr a fair amount of crap, I feel like, but he has all the weapons he, he needs to succeed. The offensive line is a little thin, I will agree with Matt, but when you have uh, a Josh Jacobs and a, and a Kenyon Drake and a Darren Waller and a Hunter Renfro and a and Avante Adams, that should all make up for it. I mean, you have three you have two receivers and a tight end who should not have an issue getting open. Like there may be games where one kind of gets taken out of the game, but you have two others that can, you know, kind of pick up the slack from you don't have just one guy. Um, so, you know, it, Derek Carr should not be able, should not be holding onto the ball that long. In, in, in all honesty, like that ball should be getting out of his hands pretty quick with the talent he has. So, um, and then you look at the coaching with Josh McDaniels, um, his uh, little stint in Denver, you know, really didn't work out. Uh, and then you look at his time in New England, and he had some good years in New England as an offensive coordinator. And, he, you know, in recent years, uh, a lot of Patriot fans weren't too fond of him. Um, but now he's getting a second run at a head coach. And uh, obviously coaching under the legendary Bill Belichick and just that Patriots culture in, 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 in general. Um, we'll see how he performs here in, in Las Vegas, uh, at least – you know, in the NBA, uh, a lot of people from that Greg Popovich coaching tree have, you know, really uh, um, have had great coaching careers. And in the Bill Belichick coaching tree, you know, some have uh, had pretty decent careers and others like, you know, Patricia, uh, the less said about them, the better. So um, we'll see how Josh McDaniels uh, performs here uh, in Las Vegas. But overall, as long as this team can stay healthy, uh, they have a fairly uh, decent roster um, and like, you look at it; they're they're Super Bowl contenders. Honestly, I think I'm not saying they're going to win a Super Bowl, but yeah, I think they are Super Bowl contenders currently at this moment. And you look at their division; I think they're better than Denver, and I think they're better than Los Angeles. And you know, um, I think LA this year will be more of a threat than than the Kansas City Chiefs. I think that losing Tyree Kill is going to be a lot bigger than people thought. Mm-hmm. Um, the Chiefs' defense sucks yeah. to start, um, and and Patrick Mahomes is losing his number one. A weapon and his number one option they still have travis kelsey they picked up juju smith schuster but you are about to see um how big of a gap is between tyree kill and juju smith schuster this season yeah that's uh, juju is a, a decent receiver but i think yeah. patrick mahomes is going to realize it and a lot of Chiefs fans are going to realize it they in my eyes are now the third best team in that division i think denver is dead last um i don't think that's a debate but I think the Chargers are going to be the Raiders' biggest threat this season. But even if the Raiders take second, I think I think this division will be a three three teams and it will get into the playoffs. Well, we mentioned the Chargers. That's who the Raiders kick off the season with in L.A. That's a home game, so. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a Raider home game. It's like an unofficial yeah. Raider home well, game. Well, one, Chargers have no fans, and any, any Raider game in L.A. is going to be a home game for them. So um, Because you can have the fans from Vegas making the trip out, and the most popular team in L.A. is the Raiders, so. But you know, I feel like they're going to split it with the Chargers this year. Yeah. So I'll go. I'll go with a loss. Yeah, I'll, I'm with you. I, I have a loss there. They open up the home schedule against the Cardinals. Win. Yep. Titans on the road. Win. Ooh. I initially leaned loss. Mm. I'm gonna go win. I think they beat Tennessee on the road. I'm gonna stick with loss for now. But that's one of those I could be swayed either way. Uh, Broncos at home. Win. Okay. Chiefs on the road. Loss. Agreed. Uh, Texans at home. Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, that's a win. real nail-biter. Win. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a win. Uh, Saints on the road. 
That'll be the cheapest game probably at Allegiant Stadium, that Texas one. So if you want to go to a Raiders game this year, it's going to be that Texans game. And they'll probably win. So, yeah. like, if you want to see a Raider win, like, that's probably not a bad game to go yeah. to. And what was the next one? Saints at home or on the road? Saints on the road. Uh, win. Yep. Uh, Jaguars on the road. Win. Colts on the at home. Win. Yep. Broncos on the road. Win. Yep. Where are we? I'm at 8-2, and two, right? Uh, you have them losing to the Chiefs and Chargers. Chargers that's right. Yeah. So, so eight. eight. You're seven and three, I think. I mean, too. Um, and then uh, Seahawks on the road. Win. Yep. Chargers at home. They get they get L.A. at home. Yes. Ten and two. Okay. So it's uh oh okay so you have them losing. Did I, I, th- I think I had them losing week one, right? Yeah. Okay, so that that would be the where they get back on the Chargers. And then the gauntlet. Oh, boy. <laughs> they go to the Rams. Oh, they got two L.A. games this year. I mean, you got to get one of them, but I'll give them a loss here. Yeah. They got to get one of those, though. It seems like the Rams are going to run most of their roster back. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to be that 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 much of a fanboy here, so the loss. So you have them at now 10-3? and three? Yeah, I think you're 9-4. and 9-4, and four, okay. Patriots at home, week before Christmas. They win that one, 11-3. A rare Belichick assistant getting a win over Belichick. I think they beat the Patriots at home. I'll give them a win. The, the Raider offense will win them this game because I th- I trust the Raiders offense more than I trust New England's offense. Yeah. Um, especially with Mac Jones going into a sophomore season. Usually the, the gap from year one to year two, there's a little bit of a decline. And... While Belichick's a great coach, I don't know if you can run it 50 times a game and expect to win. Right. So, yeah, I'll, I'm with you. I'll go with a win there. It's probably a lot of people in town. It's the week before Christmas. Um, yeah, so I, I'm at 10-4. and four. You're at 11-3. Eleven and 11-3. Three. Three. Steelers on the road, Christmas Eve. They lose that one. Yeah. Not because Matt's a Steelers fan, but Pittsburgh, Christmas Eve on the road, uh, I think it'll just be a tough atmosphere for them to play in. Um, they sh- on better paper, they are miles better than the Steelers, I think. Um, but with how good that Steelers defense is, I think they're just going to give them some problems. And each team kind of has that game each year where they lose to a, a team that's not terrible, but they are better than. And I feel like that's going to be the Raiders game this year is they're going to drop one to, to Pittsburgh on the road. If it was in Vegas, I like the Raiders by probably 15 or more points. But on the road, I'm going to go with Pittsburgh here. I agree. I mean, this is that's a tough ask to ask the Raiders to go into Pittsburgh uh, the, on Christmas Eve against the Steelers. Yeah, no. Uh, I'll, I'll go with the Steelers in that game, putting you at eleven and four, and me at ten and five. They welcome back, or they welcome in the Forty ers for the home finale, or second to last home finale. They win that one. Ooh, should be a lot Just, of tr- tr- yeah. There'll be a lot of Niner fans, I'm sure, but. Will be, I think Trey Lance gets the starting job this season. I mean, it will technically be his – he's not a rookie, but it will technically be his, his rookie year because he really didn't, you know, um, start a single game last year, I don't believe. So, um, yeah, he's going to have, you know – I won't say a rough year, but, you know, he's going to he's gonna look like a rookie out there, I feel like. And then you're going to have two guys like Crosby and Chandler Jones chasing after him all game. Um, yeah, he's going to have a rough day, I think, against the Raiders. So, I like the Raiders in that one. New Year's Day, too. Um, so probably again, a lot of people in town oh, for yeah. that game. 
Um, I'm assuming a lot of people are going to come out from San Fran for that NFL game. NFL knew what they were doing with that schedule. Yeah, they were like, ooh, San Fran and the Raiders on New Year's Day. How crowded Vegas is on New Year's Eve. Yeah. yeah. There, there's going to be a lot of people from the Bay Area for both teams coming, I think, for that game for yeah. sure. Um, and then their home finale, Chiefs. They win that one. Yeah. E- even if the Chiefs are relatively good this year, the Chiefs always struggle in the last game of the year, um, mainly because they've been taking that game off because they don't really need it. Right. Um, Raiders could be playing for uh, playoff positioning. Yeah, I'll give them that win. Um, San Fran, I th- mm, I'll give them San Fran. Um, and then a loss to the Chiefs or win? When do you think they're going to win both? I think they win both. So you got 12 and 5. Yeah. I have 13. I don't think I had them losing a single home game this year. Undefeated at home? Because I it was, I had them losing to the Chargers. On the road, Chiefs. Yep. Chiefs on the road, yep. Steelers. Steelers on the road, yeah. There's the, another one. Oh, yeah, that's right. You're 13 and 4, 12 5. Uh, Rams. Yeah, on the road. So an undefeated home slate. Undefeated home slate this year. So five and it would be five and four on the road because I think they have more road games this year. Yeah. And then um, eight no no eight no at home. Yeah, and I mean I'm at twelve and five, but like I said, the what did I give them a loss on the Chargers opening day? Yep. I mean the Chargers opening day. It is in LA. They play pretty well in the in, against the Chargers on the road for some reason. And who's the Chargers head coach, by the way? I'm I'm blanking on the name. Same guys. Same guy that uh, called the timeout when the Raiders. Were oh, it's the um, Brandon Staley. Yeah, it's I don't trust Brandon Staley at all to win. <laughs> quite frankly, anything. Um, you want to you want to look at a guy that legitimately takes points off the board for his team? Brandon Staley's that guy. Look like, no further. Like he he's the guy that goes for it on fourth down on his own thirty, like that. That's just the type of play calling he has. It might work to the advantage of the Raiders, and that's why like I'm not. I'll, we'll dive more into it when we get to the Chargers, but I'm not very high on the Chargers because I don't trust Brandon Staley at all. Like right. he's proven a lot last year that like the the uh, Thursday night game against the Chiefs where they were basically dominating and he kept making play call after play call that kept giving the Chiefs more life. And eventually the Chiefs came back and they won that game. I think it was like a Thursday night. Uh, the Thursday night game, and it was like 31-28, yeah. Yeah, and by all accounts, they should have the Chargers should have won that game, but because they didn't have a competent head coach and you're playing against the Chiefs, like that's... And then, like, again, like you were saying, the, last game, the last game of the year against the Raiders. Going to take the tie, and he calls, uh, he calls a timeout, and... Then the Raiders rethink that decision. Right. Josh Jacobs gets like a breaks out for like a nine yard run, I think, and sets up the sets him up field goal range. And then the Chargers miss the playoffs because of it. Which to this day, like I, I've heard the everybody say, Oh, the Raiders were gonna win the game regardless. No, they were playing for the tie. Like you if they were gonna win the game after the two minute warning, they would not have called two straight runs. Yeah. Like if you, it, pretty much when you get to the two minute warning, it's like, okay, time's kind of of the essence. We need to get moving. Like if they were go- legitimately playing for the win, they would have called pass plays after that two minute warning. Right. There's a reason that they were like running the ball and without like shouting it across the field, kind of looking over to the chargers, like we're cool with the tie. If you are like, it helps both of us. Um, but again, Brandon Staley can't get out of his own way. So, 
how do I beat myself here? Like, let's see. Uh, I think I may have said after that game, like, wow, that should that 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 deems a fireball offense on the spot. Like, if you're the Chargers GM, yeah, I, I think they look at how Herbert's developed though, and despite them being an incredibly young team, they went nine and eight this year. So I feel I feel like they are like, let's see if we can learn from this and let's give them another year. Which I don't blame. Um, it makes sense for them to do that. So I feel like yeah, this year, if they're not a playoff team and he makes more uh, stupid decisions like that, yeah, he could definitely be on his way out. But um, you don't want to fire a, a young coach coaching a young team after they just went nine and eight. Like they had a winning record. And in some divisions, that could win you that. In the NFC East, man, that could win you the division. So, um, and, you know, in other divisions, that could sneak you into the playoffs as well. So uh, I get why they brought him back, but. I think the Chargers will be much better this year. They'll be right up there with the Raiders. Like, I feel like it's going to be the Raiders and Chargers division this year. And um, the Chiefs are going to have to – the Chiefs will be a 10-7 and 7 team, I feel like. And they're going to start having to look for um, – they better, you know, they better, they better be at work at that scouting report right now looking at receivers in the 2023 draft class because, you know, they're going to need another Tyree kill. People are going to really see how big of a loss that was for them. Again, Juju's a decent receiver, but you're going to see that gap between Juju and, and Tyree Kill. And you're going to, and I'm not saying Mahomes is going to be a, a shit quarterback. And, you know, Tyree Kill was the whole reason he was a, a great quarterback, but not, not having him is going to, is going to affect Patrick Mahomes this season. I think the only saving grace the Chiefs have is Andy Reid is their coach. So, I mean, when we're talking about like teams that I, you know, head coaches that I would trust, Andy Reid's probably the best coach in the division still. Like, yeah. he's better than Josh McDaniels, better than – is it Vic Fangio still for Denver? That's still the head coach? or who, did, who knows anymore with the Broncos? Whoever the Broncos – Let's see. Whatever fifth grader they decided to bring in for the head coach of the Broncos. Um, and then, like – Surprising – I'm really shocked that uh, Elway traded for Wilson despite his obsession with – quarterbacks who are six foot I would 10. just say he traded for a small quarterback yeah. like size wise this is I mean maybe maybe enough uh people got to him Nathaniel in the- Hackett he was the uh Green Bay Packers offensive coordinator that's right so not not Vic so ever. I would still say that he's the third best in the division whatever 12 year olds playing Madden and then Brandon Staley like that yeah that's kind of where I'm at. The Charger preview will be fun for me. That's for sure. I think I'll have more fun with the Broncos one. Oh, yeah. A lot of people are like, oh, Russell Wilson's all the Broncos needed. Uh-huh. Show me well, who. Show, uh, show if me you've who. seen that video on Twitter of that awkward video of Russell Wilson, like, let's ride. Yeah, it's like. Okay. Broncos country. Let's ride. Like, it's. God, I mean. It, yeah. So I always say it's like, okay, but who's Russ going to throw to? Like, just show me who he's throwing to. Because Do they still have no fun? No, they traded him in the in the. Oh he, yeah, he, he was, was part in of Seattle. He was, he was part him of. Him Locke went to Seattle. That's right. <laughs> so show me who he's throwing to. Jerry Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy's a good receiver. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he's got Judy. <laughs> he's got the that guy. The the corner on the opposing team. <laughs> I'm sure he's gonna be able to catch a couple passes. So like, how is that offense gonna score very much? To be honest, like they're gonna be defensive minded. And they're owned by the guy who owns Walmart now. So lovely. Yeah. If the NFL had the same rule the NBA had, uh, where you can put ads on the jerseys, you'd see Walmart on the the Broncos jerseys. But um, yeah, I mean, I think the Broncos will be really a laughing stock this year. I don't, I don't think Russell Wilson's gonna really change much for them. No. Um, they'll be, they honestly could be as worse. They could be as bad as six and eleven, and I don't think that's a stretch. I don't think they will be six and eleven this year, but they could be that bad this season. They could be six and eleven. They are fourth in that. Don't don't let it be. Um, you know, don't get it twisted. That that is the worst team in the, the AFC West. Yeah, by and, a mile. 
Well, I mean, I saw this the other day and I was quite frankly, a little shocked um, to say the least. See if I can get it to pull up here. It was basically um, odds on who are going to win the division. No surprise. Chiefs are the, the favorite at um, one and a half to one. So basically plus 150. Chargers are just over two to one. The Broncos are plus 275. So just a little bit behind the Chargers. The Raiders are six to one. The least or the, the longest odds, if you will, in the division. Yeah, that makes that makes no sense. But I mean, I'm looking at that six to one. I'm like, what are they seeing? Because if that's the price, I'm not telling you all what to do. You may want to take a look at the Raiders. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I'd agree. With, I'd have to agree with Matt here. But tomorrow we dive into. We'll see what other. You'll have to tune in tomorrow to see what AFC West team we decide to go next. I mean, we had a little bit of fun there with the the Broncos. So maybe the Broncos, or we may just uh, uh, go into our favorite head coach, uh, talk about the Chargers, or we may go, you know, to a team that has one of Matt's favorite NFL players on it, Juju Smith-Schuster. So oh we have so many options uh, for tomorrow. So you're just gonna have to tune in tomorrow and uh, and see which team we decide to preview next in that division. And like Matt said, we'll try to keep it one an episode, but I'm sure as we get closer to the NFL season, we'll have to you know, ramp it up a little bit. And I'm sure there'll be NBA news that happens at some point where we're going to have to do an NBA episode or in in the NCAA, something will happen. We'll have to do a whole episode dedicated, dedicated to that. So we may have a couple episodes where we do two or three teams, but uh, the goal is, you know, before kickoff, we have all 32 teams previewed, but we got one down right now. Uh, so the Raiders are done. Uh, Matt has them 12 and five. I've got them 13 and four. Um, it's a little bit too early to be going into playoff stuff right now, but me and Matt both have the Raiders being, you know, legitimate contenders going into this season. So we'll see what team we decide to go into next tomorrow. Couldn't have said it better myself. Make sure you guys are following back and forth on social media. Instagram is at backforthpod. Or Instagram is at backforthpodcast, rather. Twitter is at backforthpod. Make sure you're uh, subscribing to the Back and Forth Podcast wherever you get your audio podcast. And until tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of your day. And Joey and I will talk to you later on in the week.